right, so, hi, Internet. Hi, Internet. Hi, Internet. It's 1.25 in the morning at the fucking Holiday Inn Express. We're recording this after, uh, a I guess... A long-ass day. After a long-ass day of Gen Con. This is our Friday at Gen Con. Um... So uh let's see what do we wanna what do we wanna go through here? We got in we got in at eight. Got in at eight. Real, I guess we, yeah, got in at eight thirty, I guess. Got in at eight thirty and learned the magical information that my credit union I use is apparently banned all of Indiana from the <laughs> use of a debit card. So it took me thirty minutes to actually get them to unban my card so I could do anything and not be a lech on society. Yeah, because we were trying to buy stuff yesterday. We ended up, we ended up going to fucking Steak and Shake for dinner at 11 p.m. And Travis tried to pick up the bill because I was paying for, like, our Uber fares there and back. And he's like, yeah, I don't know why I, my credit card keeps getting rejected. And so we got the, you got the thing that's, you called them this morning and, and then he just comes up and he's like, apparently, apparently my debit card is just banned in Indiana. <laughs> like, I was fully expecting it to be like, uh, we see some fraudulent charges. There's a weird thing going on in Indiana, you know, maybe even that it got demagnetized, even though I just used it, like. You used it to, yeah, you used it to withdraw a bunch of cash, so we knew it wasn't that thing. And then, they, yeah, I call them up and they're like, oh, yeah, you should have told us before you traveled because our debit cards aren't allowed in Indiana. Yeah, what is that? What is that? Um, but anyway, that got sorted out. We ended up having to go to a CVS, like, a couple blocks away to get a bunch of batteries for this recorder that we're using. Um, for the Sony field recorder, because it was given to us with a mostly full memory card and no fucking batteries in it. Thanks, Sci-Fi Lab. Yeah. So, now I now there's uh, we bought a pack of 10 plus 2 batteries from CVS. Because they were cheaper than the 12-pack. Yeah. Figure that one out. <laughs> it was a 10-pack that had two extra batteries in it. Because fuck logic. Yeah. Um, also, you can hear how, like, rough our voices are, because we've just been yelling all day. Um, so let's see, so... And then we went to the dealer room. We went to the dealer, yeah, we went to the dealer room after Travis got his press badge, because he got in late last night, and we found out the press room was closed. And the moment I walked in the door, the press room closed. And so we go in there, and we start selling magic cards, because I'm a nerd, and that's how I pay for all my swag nowadays. Yeah, so you went into, yeah, we went to the, we went into the... Actually, the dealer hall just opened after we got out of press... So, yeah, we walked in there, Travis, I handed Travis my cards because he's a fucking, like, Magic the Gathering Whisperer or something, and he, he's just going through my cards, and he's like, this is $5, this is $5, this is $3, all these are, all the rest of these are worthless. <laughs> and so we went, we went, we stopped by a shop that we thought would be useful. We thought, it, we stopped by a shop we thought would be useful, and I gave them, like, my, what Travis estimated to be 30 to 30 $40 of cards, and they threw half of them away, and I'm like, we'll give you nine bucks. <laughs> Which, which is still twenty five percent, but he could have he could have gone to SCG, which is where we went next, and I I turned in like five or six cards and got fifty bucks. Yeah, and I just went to SCG with all the with all the bulk commons uncommons I got from the draft, <laughs> and I'm and they're like, yeah, we buy these a thousand at a time. I'm like, all right, well, can you just take them because I don't want them? <laughs> He's like, yeah, sure. 
And so yeah, we I sold a couple of cards and bought all the swag I need, even though the siren call of magic cards is still whispering yeah, you sold, to my ears. You sold you sold all your cards so you could buy more cards. I, I sold all my duplicates. If I wanted to get into my storehouses, I could probably actually go buy. I, I probably have about six hundred dollars worth of cards in my box still. Yeah. But then after that, we decided to walk around and find Arc Dream, and then talk to Glancy Adam yeah. Scott Glancy for two hours. It was going to be a quick ten minute interview, and then he just kept going. We both kept going. Going, my inner sci-fi lab host and his inner never stop talking, never stop talking. <laughs> his inner Adam Scott Glancy. Everyone's got an Adam Scott Glancy hidden deep down. He's just, underneath Adam Scott Glancy, there's a deeper Adam Scott Glancy. And that might go up somewhere. I know Matt was uh, recording it on his. I was recording iPhone. it mostly for dictation purposes, and it was in a it was in the convention hall, and like there there's got there's cuts in there where like people are walking up to him because we're just at his fucking booth. Yeah, we're just standing. We're standing in front of his booth for two hours talking to this dude, and, the, and we having to stop. And people come up it's like, yeah, yeah, you can still buy things. Don't worry about it. Yeah, he's just like, if these people are in your way, please like let them know, and they'll get out of your way. <laughs> and then I lost my press badge. You lost your press badge, yeah. So we had to go around for a while to Lost and Found and a bunch of other places and eventually got it. Got Yeah, I got, got it from... Uh, it, I, got a, I got one back at press and then we started wandering around. We met up with Susan... Yeah, we met up. Yeah, we met up with we met up with Susan, a person who has no apparent, uh, a person who has no apparent relevance to anything. She, we, we do not know who she is. Uh, she just decided to meet us there, and we went and got lunch together. She's small. She's a good. She's a, she's of a an appropriate height to be a living armrest. That, so that was nice <laughs> to us tall people. So we went to a nice burger shop, and yeah. she acted as our armrest um, as we sat and we chattered. Yeah, and it was there that we found that Travis's card was finally working again. Uh, and then we finally started getting into our events after that. We did the Skype gaming panel, which was about as full as we were expecting. Like it was, yeah. it was, it was full up on the, on the sheet. And there were empty chairs, but there were still, like, there was still a good, like, 35 people in there at least. At least. And people were flowing in and out. Some people would come in. Some people left early, yeah. but. And um, I remember when I was setting up, I managed to accidentally stab myself with a business card to the point where I drew blood somehow. Yeah, you were talking about that on the way out. Yeah, and then, so uh, Aaron Karsten from uh, Role Playing Public Radio stopped in there um, to fill in the role for Sam, who's not here for because of car troubles. Um, so uh, we ended up doing the whole... We ended up doing uh, the uh, the whole panel we set up. We had a big lecture, and then it went to Q and A. And honestly, like the lecture went longer than I thought it would, but about on par with what I was expecting. And then it was it was like forty minutes long, and then we had twenty minutes of questions and answers. We'll post that up on the site at some point um, once we get that edited up because um, uh, it seemed it seemed like a good panel. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't. This is the first panel I've ever done, so for that, it went well. <laughs> and I've already had experience doing MomoCon, a local convention in Atlanta, so it actually went pretty good comparatively. Like, we had a bad panel one year at MomoCon, so this one went very, very nice comparatively. Nice, yeah. And Aaron, despite his uh, despite his uh, predictions, ended up actually contributing a lot of useful stuff to the panel, so that was cool. 
And then we, as the panel was over, we had to immediately run haul ass to the yeah, Occident so, Convention yeah, Center. Fucking at the Crown Plaza, we had to run games in the JW because Arc Dream had, or not Arc Dream, Gen Con had uh, again done a lot of uh, ace scheduling, where it's like we have a we have a seminar from three to four on one side of the con center, and then we run games from four to eight thirty on the other side of the con center. And so I showed up to, I did my Monster Hunter Childish Things game, I did Night's Night of the Gaming Dose again. Um, it was sold out, but there were only three players there, but there were only two players there when I finally got there, because one of them uh, left after 15 minutes. Apparently, according to the other players, he left like a minute before I showed up. So I ran a game for two people. Um, it was a mother and a daughter, and the mother had never role-played before. So that was her first experience with role-playing in general, and she liked it, so great. And the other person really liked uh, playing Monster and Childish Things and is hopefully going to buy the book. So that was awesome. How did... Uh, and I'm trying to remember how... I remember for the for the game, they did a lot of, like, back and forth. They really tried to figure out what Agriculture Quest was, um, which makes sense because there's not a lot of, like... They, they didn't really want to even explore the town. They just found out about Agriculture Quest and, like, what is this? How do we destroy... It. So clearly they got hit with the meme just as hard as the uh, actual character did. Yeah. <laughs> well, one of them actually started playing Agriculture Quest and got addicted to it, because that's the rules I wrote in that scenario. Um, and so, then they, and they that that game goes faster and gets weirder every time I play it, so that I think it was another two and a half hour game, because there were only two players there, and one of them was new, and so once they caught on to the plot, it was over pretty fast. Um, and then Travis ran Carpetbagger, which he read, which he was reading during lunch. <laughs> yeah, I read during lunch, ran to our panel, and then ran this, and it, it wasn't it wasn't that bad. Uh, ended up going only about two and a half hours. It, I kind of sped through it. I think I can slow it down. Also, it's clearly designed for drunken, ugly players and fans, so there's lots of room for like role playing and stuff. But a yeah, lot well, of whatever. Whenever Sam ran it, it was always two hours, two and a half hours. Okay, that's good. So, I, mean, yeah. I, don't, I don't have an exact thing because he never had any recordings of the games. But yeah, it was actually full. It was six players, and we actually had a seventh guy floating around, but I didn't have a sheet for him. I would have let him hop in and play. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I I have run a Delta Green game, so I'm now confident that I can create Delta Green games, <laughs> and I actually have one I am going to be writing up tomorrow after I finish mine that will attempt to be the next con game for next year. Yeah, and then we went and got pizza and went to the the second RPPR after hours meetup. Um, played Base Raiders for the first time, which yeah, was awesome. Got yeah. to finally play Fate ever. Yeah, we played, yeah, it was a scenario written by um, Micah Nielsen, um, which I, th- I think he's Tad's brother. Um, but he wrote, a, he wrote basically a sequel to, or it was a game that followed up on Boiling Point, um, and you'll, you'll still see that one, I guess, whenever it goes up on the site. Um, but, uh, we all had pre-gens, including some that he had made specifically for the scenario. But I was surprised by, like, the diversity of the pre-gens, because one of them, I think the, uh, Fetch is, I believe he's written as a villain-like character. So he has, he should have very different stats. I didn't actually look at his sheet, but I was surprised he was there. And then also, Emily the Dark Pariah was in there. Which is a character that, um, I don't know how she works because her powers are super weirdly defined. <laughs> um, but I was playing, um, I was playing Elizabeth the Daywalker vampire and then there was also Peter Silvertail and those were the ones from the main book or from the modules and then Travis was playing Raidenbot. Yeah, 
he was, yeah, some martial arts genius who was also an AI that shot lightning. And his distinguishing factor, one of his distinguishing aspects was how he was able to take on teeth always shown because they were both a, a sent, ascendant tier combat characters that didn't really do much else. That was pretty much my role in this scenario was to sit back and do nothing until combat showed up and then proceed to shit all the kicks. Yeah. You take all the shits. Yeah, no, you wrecked, you wrecked face pretty hard at the end there. As you'll see. And then also to disrobe and present a towel so I can <laughs> proceed to scrub. God damn. That was the best part. <laughs> I broke another GM. It was great. I actually had him go, I have no idea what to do. Let's cut away while my brain forks for a second. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so it's, um, I guess it's, it's going on like 140 now. So we're gonna, Go to bed so that we can do more Gen Con tomorrow, and we'll get another report from that. Be great. Oh, that seems so great. Um, as, oh yeah, that was one, one addendum is that, um, we, we, I was, I was disappointed, but I guess also kind of relieved that JW doesn't constantly have ill-fitting music being piped into it at all hours. So that's, even if we recorded it there, you still wouldn't be hearing the Diablo 2 theme and then whatever other random ass track came on the that kept distracting us on. Yeah, it was a Halo theme and I can't remember. There were so many different, like, there was so much weird, t- different, like, weird fucking music last year that we, we kept getting pulled out of getting to talking about whatever the hell we were doing. Um, but definitely, uh, it's a lot, it's a lot more enjoyable to not be running like four or six games at Gen Con. <laughs> yeah, even, this was probably the best kind of, you know, we did it from, what, 3 to 8.30, so five and a half hours, that was a full solid day. We didn't even go that late, like all of our games ended early. Your game ended at six and you took a nap and showed up to mine. <laughs> my game ended... <laughs> the internet doesn't need to know that, man. My game ended at seven. And then we hung out for a while, and that's when we went and got pizza. Um, yeah, first full day of Gen Con. Um, we went to the, uh, we went to the RBBR meetup yesterday, which consisted mostly of going to the Delta Green panel. And then once the Delta Green panel was over, we went, to, we went back to the JW with everybody and then realized it was late and we had to go. So we showed up there and then immediately left. It's like, hey guys, this is cool. We gotta go now. Bye. Although I think my favorite moment was like when we were walking with Ross. I was working with Ross Payton, and Travis introduced themselves as Travis, and I'm like, oh yeah, I'm Matt, I run the other podcast, and he says, what other podcast? Like, oh, you know, the Drunken Ugly, he's like, oh, you're that Matt, and you're that Travis from the interview sci-fi lab show. <laughs> <sighs> yeah, so, that was, uh, that was interesting, um. And so tomorrow I'm going to be running. Uh, I'm going to be running our indie design panel, which I have some. I have some experience. And Sam just keeps saying, "Dude, seriously, just Skype me in. It'll be great." And I don't know if nobody if if nobody else shows up for me to bounce ideas off of, I might do it, and then I'll find a way to record that somehow. Uh, you got any final things to add, Travis? I have nothing. I'll be running. I'll be running carpet beggars again tomorrow. I would love to assist the the panel, but I only yeah. was play testing it, so I can't help with the design. But hopefully next year, if they we do the same one, now. and a big safe. stupid because I never stop working. A big stupid plan that's popped in my head. I might be able to help with that panel. Sure, sure. Um, so I'm gonna be doing that one. I still have to finish smashing that one out so I can do it. And yeah, um, so tomorrow should be cool. Hopefully we're not all dying. Um, but yeah, I think that's all for now. So peace out, Internet. Good night, Internet. Good night, Internet. For real. Good night. Good night, Moon. Good night, Moon. Good night, cow jumping over the moon. <laughs>
Good night, Joe Bob. I don't even know what that show is. I just know that ending from the Geico ads. All right, so internet high, high internet high. Last second day Gen Con Saturday, 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 August first. Um, August first. Why would we want to hug first? I, I'm a huggist. No, we 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 figured out that you're a bro-vine, a huggist. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. I fucking. <laughs> um. So shit, I have to remember everything that happened. So uh, we ended up catching the shuttle again today. We caught a later shuttle, um, even though we had earlier events today um, than yesterday, because we didn't have to grab badges, and we kind of knew where things were. And nothing really of... starts. Well, nothing that we wanted to start didn't start. Because the dealer hall isn't even open until 9. So. And that was my big drive today, but we'll get to later. Yeah, so showed up at 9. Uh, we we, showed, we got to the con center at 9.30. Um I ended up, uh, we split up. I went to, uh, I went to run, uh, my last game of Night of the Gaming Doze in the JW, um, and I, I actually had a full game today, which I've never had at Gen Con, so that was cool. Um, all the, and I had the three players from, uh, from last year that played in the Frida's game, um, who came back and said after playing that game, they bought, they, they bought Monster and the Childish Things and they played a couple of games of it and they love it. And I'm like, oh my God. I did the thing. I'm I'm the salesman. Um, and I got people to enjoy this thing I like, which made me happy. So I played that. Um, I because there's so many players, I ended up splitting them into monster kid teams. So it was uh, uh it was Doug and Anthony and Max Chang, um, and their respective monsters. Um, and, uh, I remember the guy that was playing Redhorn really like he he liked he really liked. When monsters like go and oh, I I know he 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 was apparent that he had played the he had played the game a bunch more times because he was having his monster just like go and like do mischief all the time like it's uh I'm trying to remember it's like I they they're talking to the tow truck driver he's like occupied in his phone and Redhorn's like I steal his wallet. It's like okay. Ah, oh, you've clearly played this before. Yeah, it's like it's like I steal a, I steal his wallet, and then I I remember he he stole a bunch of corn from a field, and he started reverse pickpocketing corn into people's pockets. <laughs> Why? Because I need to spread the maze. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just need to spread that maze among my people. That was actually the first group that went for the power plant instead of for the radio station, even though they got enough options, they could have done the radio station thing. So I got to do the power plant. Which was a which was a, an ending I've never done before. So that was all figured out on the spot because I, I I had the idea for it, which was like you have to smash the transformer yard, and even though your monsters are super good at smashing things, there's a lot of fucking transformers. So um, you just got to do that. Uh, and they ended up having a big fight with the giant Domega um, in the tra- I, I, I actually that was a, it ended up being a more inter- it ended up being a more interesting fight there because because um, the kids were also there and they but they were like sitting in a golf cart or something so it's like Domega Domega knows that you guys are gonna you, you guys are about to kill it so it's gonna try and destroy everything and so it like slammed a giant hand down to try and hit the golf cart that the kids were in um, and yeah. Yeah, I remember just a lot of people got, uh, everybody got corn on stuff. Redhorn just kept stealing things constantly. And I remember, uh, Woodbeard was also on board with just trying to randomly kill people, but he wanted everybody to walk the plank, even though it's like, yar, yar, they should be walking the plank. Woodbeard, we're in Ohio. Yar, they walk the plank into the cornfield. They walk to him behind the rose. I know him personally. He's not that bad. He's just, 
a little shy. <laughs> but that was that was my that was my game is my morning. Uh, I ran Carpet Baggers season two or session two, and actually might have recorded it this time. Uh, yeah, we learned at the end of yesterday that the record we didn't know how to use the recorder, and we, we are the smarts. Yeah, <laughs> what was it? We both fucking took electrical engineering, can't figure out how to use a fucking tape recorder. My my excuse is that when I first used this thing, you just hit record and it recorded, but apparently when we changed the batteries out, you have to do other finagle maggles now. Uh, but yeah, so mine was a four-person instead of a six-person um, for carpetbaggers, and it was a noticeable change in the tension level. Uh, I let them choose who they wanted, so we only had a co-pilot, a navigator, a bombardier, and a gunner. So they were down a gunner and an actual pilot. And, uh... <laughs> It was a noticeable challenge because instead of having the pilot that has like base 90 plus for his pilot skill, the co-pilot only has 60 and well, they made it through barely. I think everybody but the navigator ended up with at least one temporary insanity for the majority of the game. Yeah, didn't they? I thought it was like somebody somebody rolled. Oh yeah, that was the thing we were talking about. That the the door gunner saw the hunting horror immediately took five. Got like got claustrophobia, so he was sitting near the where the ball turret was, and then the mic came in. Sucked, uh, what was it? Got, uh, got what's his face? Sucked Grove out and turned him into a blender in front of him, and then he got agoraphobia. <laughs> yeah, because you, you rolled like fucking like nine sanity loss. He, or he lost six on the first roll, and then he lost nine on the next roll. <laughs> Yeah, so in the span of like five minutes, he lost fifteen sanity. <laughs> and I get, and I, and I think for like five rounds, he was both claustrophobic and agoraphobic. So he was just pacing around the back part of the plane, like every now and then looking up, like, "Yep, it's still there." Uh, but yeah, we had the we had the co-pilot go deaf for ten rounds. I couldn't roll below five at check. It, it seemed so like. So yeah, it, it was awful for when I had to make checks, but it was great when they had to lose sanity. <laughs> <laughs> But, like, you know, he was deaf for, like, seven rounds. Somebody was obsessed with figuring out what the hunting horror was in the sky, so he sat and he looked at it for, like, ten rounds. We had an agoraphobic and a, <laughs> and a claustrophobic for, like, fifteen rounds total. Uh, the navigator was the only one that actually, like, was able to hold his shit together. And even then, it ended with them, uh, the hunting horror finally just, like, destroyed it so much so that they were just going to take it down instead of chasing it to get to the uh, to the channel. And they touched down in a field, and by touchdown, I mean they exploded in a fiery crash, and everybody hit got killed, got hit for at least... 20, their, 20 damage. At least 14 damage. So everyone got hit for their full amount of life, at least, and just yeah. TPK right there. Yeah. The bomber went down and exploded, and nobody nobody ever knew what happened. Um, and then this, uh, we, we, uh, we met up again and, uh, well, I, I, my game ended pretty early. Um, it was only a two hour game, I think. Um, even with a little, even with all the role playing going in, somehow Night of the Gaming Dose keeps getting shorter every time I run it. Um, and maybe I'm just getting more streamlined. I have no idea. Um, so it's, uh, so, um, going through, uh, I ended up, I, I had to prep my, I had to prep the chicken salad panel. So. Um, I went through and I was copying all the notes that, uh, that Sam had written down, all the notes that I had written down, all the notes that Zach had written down, and I was compiling them into one big document on a legal pad, and then Travis and I ended up meeting up to, we went to Ram again today for lunch, cause, you know, fuck the haters. Um, and, uh, after our nice 45, 50 minute talk about Star Wars. 
Yeah, after yeah, after because it's fucking episode two was on there, so we had a long ass talk about Star Wars, where I learned that Travis is also really really knowledgeable about Star Wars. Um, where Travis real uh, well, Travis explains that he is a sponge for any type of anything he sinks his teeth into. Yeah, and so um, and after yeah, after a forty five fucking minute talk about Star Wars, our food finally showed up, and we got there at like one twenty. I didn't we didn't get out until one fifty. I got a message from or uh, not not until two fifty two fifty. My panel's at three. I had a message from Ross saying, "Where are you?" And I'm like, "I'm at the Crown." Service was super slow. Mm-hmm. Um, or I'm, I'm heading to the Crown service is super slow, and so uh, I got to the panel like three minutes before it started. Um, I set up the recorder because Travis loaned it to me when we went to RAM, and uh, that pan we ran that panel. I burned through my notes, Zach's notes, and Sam's notes in like twenty minutes, and I think Ross noticed. Ross might have noticed that, so he just. He just took the panel and like, all right, well, you guys came here. You're designing games. Why don't you talk about your stuff? You you learned like we've got all this stuff about um you know uh, step you know step one focus step two refine step three edit just keep repeating these steps in order. So like I remember the the, the things that the things that Sam had written were um were things like uh make sure you can explain your game in like a sentence. Uh, to people, so like D and D is like adventurer, uh, ad- adventurers on a que- on a medieval uh, or on a in a fantasy world uh, get loot. Or monster childish things is monsters are real, they're friends with children. Uh, sort dystopia is post apocalyptic Victorian role playing, and I'm like, it sounds sounds similar to elevator pitches or thesis statements. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, and it's the thing. Like for all those things, you want to have you want to have your like singular focus. You don't want to make about everything and so we and then step two is like refine make sure that everything's accessible make sure that there's nothing there that doesn't need to be there so like kind of boil it kind of take it to its essentials make sure that it's accessible to everybody and then step three like edit play test do all that stuff go back to step one make sure that step one is still valid and then just kind of keep building on that and then so we we ended up getting we ended up fielding questions for 40 minutes and there were actually a lot of questions uh from like 15 for, for the 15 or so people that showed up we got a lot of questions um from people that were designing all kinds of people that were designing all kinds of different games like there was a guy that was like trying to design uh like XCOM meets cthulhu mythos um See, there was a guy there. There, um, there was one guy that just kept asking like question after question after question about all kinds of stuff because he was trying to write some other Cthulhu game and he was afraid that like he was he was afraid that his game was going to be irrelevant because there was so much Cthulhu games. There was so much Cthulhu already. And Ross is like, I mean, there's a lot of stuff about vampires and people keep writing stuff about vampires. <laughs> So good because I I would have mentioned since I wasn't there because I was a slacker and I would explain what I was doing in just a second. Yeah, you, you, you easily explain to him the, the the good thing about Cthulhu mythos and cosmic horror in general is that as with most modern takes on any genre, what you bring to it is actually what you help expand it and keep going. So if he is worried if he's doing something Cthulhu based, he shouldn't be worried about doing it Cthulhu based. He should be worried about what he's bringing to the genre and the narratives yeah, to make it I, not be a carbon copy. Right, yeah. It's it's uh, it's not about the size of the ship, it's about the motion of the ocean, baby. Um, 
But uh, yeah, so we had a we had a lot of we had a lot of discussions about that. Um, yeah, I had I had I had a lot of things to contribute. Ross had more things to contribute. I'm 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 uh, I'm glad he was there to uh, help me pick up the spare because um, I didn't feel like I contributed as much to that panel as I as I should have for hosting it. <laughs> Um, I think we, I think we split it kind of, I think we split it pretty evenly. Um, Anna Ross is a really good co-host and knows, knows like when to pick up off of somebody else. Um, and when to hand it back. So that was, that was great. Uh, Travis, what were you, uh, I know you were in the dealer hall. I spent, um, my panel, my game finished about 12, 1230. I got to the dealer hall. Uh, I was in the dealer hall from 1 until one thirty, and we went and got lunch. And then I was in the dealer hall from 3 until 6? Yeah, yeah, because, right, yeah, because we, we met up with Crazon afterwards. Yeah, so I was in the dealer hall from 3 until 6. I actually went and walked the entire dealer hall, and I, I got a business card or an email address from every single... RPG tabletop system I could find that was either that wasn't a war game, card game, or was not a uh, a, a single setting. Hey, we're gonna pull out a board game, play it. And this is for my thesis, and I ended up with about seventeen business cards, three or four emails, and I still had two or three that I actually skipped. Um, yeah, my throat like, hurts. Yeah, well, I mean that's just everybody. <laughs> next year, next year lozenges. Next year, I'm not talking. Ever. I'm learning science. You're going to be a mime. Be a mime. It's going to make it really hard to make our radio show. I'm going to be a business gorilla. It's going to make it really hard to make a radio show, Travis. <laughs> Here you first, Internet. Fuck them. Except for you, our beautiful patrons. But yeah, I, I did that for hours. And I actually got a lot of helpful information, uh, both for my article and for my thesis statement. There's a there's a couple of, I actually feel kind of emboldened because talking to a couple of designers, even some of the larger publishers, I went and talked with them about my ideas and kind of what I've learned and what I've studied in uh, academia, and they were all wholeheartedly behind the idea of my research and what I was explaining to them about possibly getting a PhD and what my, my, my foreseeable goals are. And they are they, they, they talk about, yeah, this is kind of what general writers and designer talks think about when they're not physically working. And, you know, getting somebody to actually do the groundwork for it is apparently greatly appreciated. And I, I know, for example, Green Ronin Publishing, Mutants and Masterminds, you were saying, right? Yeah, that's the game. That's one of the games they make. That's yeah. the one I know that they make. Uh, specifically, one of the designers, I was talking to him, he's from Chicago. He's like, oh yeah, let me get you in contact with a, one of the designers that I work with and a professor at NYU and like <laughs> five other designers that I know so we can, so you can get all the people you want. And it's funny is like, if I, uh, even Eclipse Phase guys, I was telling them, they all lit up when they were talking about it. It's funny, my professor, right before I left here, we were filling out the proposal and he's like, put 30 and don't expect to get 20. If you get 30, I'll be impressed. If I get two people from every single one I uh, interview, counting RPPR and Drunk and the Ugly, and even some of the patrons, because they can, uh, they'd be included in this, I have over 40, maybe even 50 uh, references for my research. Yeah, so that's nuts. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you you trade showed it up. It's a good. It was a good show. Um, so yeah, we met. And I'm a whore and bought fat pack. Yeah, you, you finally succumbed to it, the magic, you succumbed to the siren, siren call of the magic cards. I succumbed to the siren call, if only because it was a good deal. It was, a it was a, anybody that it's knows magic, it was a return to Ravnica fat pack yeah. for only 
40, 45 bucks. And you made um, back you made back your money in like two cards in that, right? I, I I I didn't actually make back my money. Uh it turns out I was checking the prices. I made about fifty percent back, but uh, the box and the poster are actually worth more to me than the actual cards. Gotcha. But it's also everything else. Every place I because I was able to walk up and down every single dealer booth, I realized that this was the cheapest one, it was forty five. Everything else was marked up to fifty, uh I think I think sixty to seventy was the going price for every other place. So I got this. I saw it was a deal and I always hop on a deal whenever I see it. Right, right. Um, so then we ended up meeting up with Crazon at around six or so, uh, to do, to talk about the, talk about Snuff, um, the short story that we posted on our uh, podcast, uh, for his podcast where he talks about creepy stories. And for our radio show, we're gonna. Yeah, and for, and for, yeah, and for your radio show. And I guess, well, he's part of like our network, our very, our fledgling network. Um, our media empire. Yes, our, 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 don't, don't, don't say network. We have an empire. It is. It's a small empire that only a few people know about, but soon they will know. Yes. Soon they will know. So, uh, so yeah, we're, um, yeah, our, our, our vast media empire, our, we're, we're micro moguls. Um, so we talked, uh, Travis ended up like just beasting the, uh, the, the recording of it because, uh, Crazon had to go get pizza or something before he, sh- before he could make it. And then we just spent 40 minutes discussing that. And of course it came to a discussion of horror, which is Travis's wheelhouse. Cause that's, but it would have been researching for the last month at least. Uh, four months. Four months, last four months, yeah. So it went off into this like it went off and he went off into this thing about how it's like oh it's like a it's like a uh, a modern a modernization of the gothic fiction because it's it's letter because it's all letters from this guy. Yeah, it was talking about one of the I still can't remember that word affordances. I learned the word affordances is a is a term in my in my college. It's kind of what you can use in the medium. One of the affordances. And it's one that you can kind of jump around and use. One of the affordances of the old gothic horrors and the way it was written is that you always had an unreliable narrator, no matter what, because it was told in the past, so you had the emotions and the kind of memories and kind of that emotional static brought back in. And the one that we discussed specifically with Snuff is it has that emotional static, both in the author, the narrator, and through the technological one. Yeah, it has the, the emotional static is also sometimes literal static. Yeah, and that the the technology, and if you want, when it gets posted, we'll make sure everybody has a link to this, yeah, well, where I describe this in better detail. But the idea is that well, technology is, in our modern era, it was originally viewed as a perfected thing to always see what we see. It's a good lens that it can never judge wrong. But the fact that in snuff, it is heavily distorted and edited and ca- causes this creepy factor and it adds to the, the gothic side of, well, clearly this is just a derangement and colors our perception of the story. Yeah. yeah. So, let's see, after Grayson, we got... We got food. We got food. What food did we get? I don't... Oh, we went to Buffalo Wild Wings. We went to Buffalo Wild Wings and you're going to die tonight. Yeah, probably. Or I'm going to have real bad shits tomorrow. Yeah. We went to <laughs> Buffalo Wild Wings. We both got, uh, we both got like medium, we got bo- medium whatever wings. Actually, um, because of that, I'm going to eat We got some, yeah, we, we got medium boneless wings and I was like, we got them in three different flavors. I was like, 
like I bit into one of mine and it's like, why is this so like, why am I eating jelly? But yeah. Why, why is there gelatin in this? And I pull it away and it's like, and I see just like, I just see like fleshy pink and I'm like, oh, this is uncooked chicken. And I immediately spit it out and like, I'm like, I fly down on one of the waitresses and I'm just like, yeah, this chicken's not cooked. But somehow it is fried and battered, and I guess it's because they, like, batter it, and then they freeze-dry the batter, and then they just throw it. I don't know how, because it was hot. It was a hot piece of chicken. It's almost like it was, uh, it was, it sounds like it was almost freezer burned on the inside. It had been there for so long that it was able to cook the outside, yeah. and the inside was still cool. Yeah, or something. Yeah, that's, that's the best I can figure, because it was, it was totally uncooked in the middle. And so I'm like, oh great, yeah, welcome to Salmonella Town, population me. But they did give me free cheesecake bites and let, and offered to let me talk to the, offered to let me talk to the manager. And it's like, I don't know what I'm going to say to the manager. It's like, well, you gave me some uncooked chicken. Shrug. Guess I'm going to get the Salmonella. This is, they were specifically like, yeah, if you want to talk to them now or talk to our insurance guys or our lawyers, like, just talk to us now. And I made the joke comments like, we'll talk to you tomorrow after I finish shitting all over the toilet. Yeah, well, I don't think she... talk to you now. Yeah, I don't think, well, did they offer to let us talk to other people? They, they... They were very frenetic, but that was one of the ones, like, do you want to talk to, you know, the, do you want to talk to the manager, do you want to talk I to... I only heard, oh man, I only heard talk to the manager, he's like, oh yeah, I talked to, I talked to a lawyer, he served me on cooked chicken. I don't, I, I don't know, I'll remember that place, and if I get real sick and die, then that's... I will be sad because that's more work for me. Yeah, you're gonna, it's gonna be real hard for you to get all the podcasts. So yeah, hopefully I don't have the sam. Hopefully I don't get salmonella. Salmonella. Yeah, I did. I just spit it out. So all I got is all I got, and it wasn't any juice in the chicken. But yeah, so that was that was unpleasant. Um, but the rest of the night we ended up going to uh, JW and to the after hours thing, and uh, we pulled a bunch of tables together and we played in Ross Payton's new game Ruin, which was in Gumshoe, um, which was that was an interesting game to play. It was the, he's he's making a bunch of different like things for it. I don't know how much he wants to say about that. I got, like my friend DA, which is a term that I just said right now. So he's, it was in a it was in a hotel, and I guess that whole thing's gonna be in a hotel. It I I think the best way can say it it is the game was the game was like Hypercube meets uh, like Don't Rest Your Head. Yeah, and it, it was definitely an exploration of Hypercube and the Cube series. Actually, a very good idea of what it was similar to. We don't want to give much away because this is what we played is designed to be a one shot. Um, and a campaign, and Ross is still taking player critiques and player, and he's still adapting it. And it's, yeah, it's a work in progress. But it, it was definitely a very interesting one. It was my first experience using the, it's not my first experience with the gum shoe, but it was close enough that it might as well have been a brand new one. The mechanics were really interesting. Um, a lot of the new things he's adding in the twists are, 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 are very much like, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out because once you, the idea, it, it, call, it's called Ruin Labyrinth. It's very labyrinthian in that, like, you go in and you can apparently play them one shot multiple times. And he wants, he actually says, like, if this comes out, play it multiple times, you get different opinions and viewpoints. And it's interesting because if you play it going into the blank like we did, you do certain things 
and you'd make certain actions that you would never do, and you get this very specific kind of idealized setting that ends up happening. But but if you run it again with knowledge, you have part of the labyrinth. You have this part of the the labyrinth literally mapped. You've done this. Now your job is to go to the next one and see what else is going on. Yeah. And it fits into a theme, and it fits into kind of not a pastiche. Sorry. It fits into the theme and the narrative of it of this kind of bizarre area that you can never figure out no matter how many times you go through. Yeah, yeah. Because every time you go through, you come out with a different ending or a different experience. You encounter different people. Or you do the same thing and a brand new ending happens. Yeah. It's an, yeah, it was an interesting, it was an interesting take. Um, I was still kind of wrapping my head around the mechanics, but the mechanics will, the mechanics will probably change somewhat. The, the mechanics are really good. The, the, it, it does have the problem where fate in a lot of the on the fly systems have where you have to take a moment to remove yourself from character to yeah. kind of understand what's going on. I think right now, and again, we're, we're, we're dancing around comments and we're kind of dancing around what happened because we're trying to keep it, uh, we're trying to keep it under wraps. Right now, it is a little obtrusive, uh, but there were certain areas and certain times where it was very well crafted and it was, it was just enough for you to be like, yeah, I need this now. Oh crap, crap, crap. Dude, yeah, yeah. I think that's just a numbers tool. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, and then we came here. Yeah, then we came here and we started talking to this. We started talking to you. Matt. We started talking to you because we love you. Um, and I think we probably need to sign off now. So that was, this has been, uh, this has been our Gen Con experience for this year. Definitely coming back next year and definitely getting to actually stay. Yeah, probably days. gonna, probably get, yeah, probably gonna get in on Wednesday next year. And leave on Monday. Yeah, yeah, we'll figure that out. I'll, I'll figure that out. Um, Depending on how things go. Um, yeah. Alright. I'm not dead. I'll definitely be here. Good night, internet. Good night, internet.